Good morning, Grace Church. It's so great to see you this morning. I hope that you're doing great, that you're having a wonderful week and a weekend and and that you're just doing awesome. And I love being here on Sundays and seeing everyone and talking to people. It's one of my favorite things. One of my most favorite times of the week is talking with you and, and seeing how you're doing and hearing what God is doing in your life. And I wish I had time to talk to each and every one of you every week because I just love hearing from you. And but if, if I was able to do that, if I was able to talk to each and every one of you today and I was able to ask you how you're doing, what would you say to me? What would you tell me? Would you just say, oh, I'm okay, I'm, I'm fine, it's good, I, I'm fine. Would you just tell me that or, or would you tell me how you really are? Because I think a lot of us, we don't, we don't really like to share how we really are, right? We want to give that normal answer of, it's okay, I'm fine, I'm good. And so I know for me, I was that way growing up. It was kind of a joke in, in our family that everyone would kind of tease me with my response when I was asked how I was doing, because I always said, I'm fine. I'm fine. And so it was this joke in my family. Everyone would tease me. They'd be, they would, you know, kind of mock me and be like, oh, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. You're always fine. You know, and that was just my thing, right? I just thought that's what people expected. So that's what I said. And so sometimes I think it's a struggle for us to just be real, to just be real, right? That's, that's what we're going to talk about today is just being real. But I think it's a struggle for us sometimes it's hard. It's hard to be authentic and to not put on that face and feel like we have to live up to what other people are expecting of us, right? To say what, what we think people are expecting us to say. I think it's a struggle for all of us, right? When we talk about being real, it's just, it's way too easy to not be real, it's way too easy because we begin comparing ourselves with other people and we, we tell ourselves, well, you're supposed to be okay. You're, you're supposed to have it all together because look at that person. They do. They have it all together. They're okay. So, so you should too. So when we start doing that, we start comparing ourselves, that can keep us from just being real. And also, especially with social media and our phones and, and the apps we have on our phone and all the filters that we have, we can make ourselves look however we want to look, right? We can make our life look like what we want it to look like online. We can filter our life. And so I think that makes it hard sometimes, right? especially when you look online and you scroll through and see everything and everyone else's life. And I just thought I would share with you today that, that wrinkles are actually real. R wrinkles are a real thing. But when you go on social media, you would have no idea, right? You would have no idea. I don't know if this has ever happened to you or not, where you've met, met someone online or you become friends with them on social media and you start following them and looking at all their pictures and kind of scrolling through and then you meet them in real life and you kind of are like, oh, hi, <laughs> you don't look like that online. You know, you're kind of saying that in your head, like, whoa, uh, you might even say into yourself, they're a lot older than I, they look online. Well, yeah, wrinkles are a real thing, but you can take them away in social media you don't have to have them. You just filter them out, right? So we can look however we want to look. 
And I think sometimes it makes it hard for us to just be real. I know recently I shared something on social media and if you're like me, there's certain days of the year where there's just tons of action on there, right? Lots of parents are posting pictures about their kids and what's going on in their lives. And there's certain times of the year where it's, where it's really busy on there, right? Like the first day of school. So I don't know if you remember that, but on the first day of school, you just went through and it was just picture after picture of all these cute little kids dressed in their first day of school outfits with smiles, you know, standing out in the front yard. And, you know, the moms are like, oh, first day of school. We're so excited. Everything is so great. They have their new outfit on and it's just a great morning. And so there was just tons of that on the first day of school. Well, I'm a mom, and so I posted a picture of my kids on the first day of school, but in our house, the first day of school didn't go so great, and so I just decided that I was going to be real and just share about what really happened, and so on on our first day of school, so I have three kids. I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 10-year-old, and they're all boys, and so the first day of school in my house, so one of my one of my older boys missed the bus. So they, you know, went to the bus stop and waited for a while and then we get this text, you know, oh my gosh, the bus isn't here. I think it already came or something, you know. And so we're like, oh man, we're trying to get the other kids ready and out and all this and then we got to stop and we got to get that one and we got to run them to the school and so then another one of our older boys overslept and, and he totally just missed his alarm and he went running out the door with the hat on, just running out as fast as he could to get to class on time. And so it wasn't a great morning in my house. And so I just posted about it. I was like, here's pictures of my kids. I only had pictures of two of them because one of them was slept through his alarm and ran out the door. So I didn't even get a picture of him. So, and then one missed the bus. And so that's what I put online. And my, one of my teenage sons was asked me, they're like, why did you put that on there? Why did you say that online? And I was like, it was a great opportunity for me to just share with them and say, listen, not everything goes great. Not everything is perfect. And so I don't want to portray that life is perfect and everything is fine when it's not. I said, that's just not how we're going to live life. We're going to be real with people. We're going to share our life with people. Sometimes it's not great. And so this morning wasn't great. I wasn't going to pretend it was. And so I was able to kind of explain that to them and just say, we're going to just be real. Like that's what God wants us to, to be in our life is just be real, be real with him and be real with those around us. But it's so easy for us to just show our highlight reel, right? We show our highlight reel, what's so great about our life, but then we don't share the real stuff. So I really think that interpersonal interactions are diminishing and we, we can just be whoever we want to be online. And because of the rise of social media and all the filtering and all the apps that we can do, I believe that more and more people are desperate. They're desperate to find and connect with people that are real. I believe people are going to be more and more desperate for this with how much we, time we spend on social media. They're desperate for just that real connection. Well, awesome thing is that you're here this morning and this is a church with real people. And I truly believe 
that, that you are not here on accident and that you came to the right place because actually our church motto says real hope for real life. That's who we want to be as a church. That's what we strive to be is just real hope for real life. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to have that. He wants us to have that real hope for real life. But we have to actually take a step towards that first by being real ourselves. We have to be real ourselves. And so I want to share a passage of scripture with you this morning. And so God wants us to just come to us just as we are. And so in the Old Testament, there were, they had the temple and there was different rooms and, and areas in the temple as you went towards the Ark of the Covenant, which was where the presence of God resided. And so there was, you know, the entryway and then you would walk more and more. And then there was, there was the Holy of Holies. There was that inner sanctuary and it was separated from everything else by a big curtain. And only the priest could go behind that curtain to where God's presence was, to where that Ark of the Covenant was. So there was a huge curtain separating normal people from the presence of God. And so that was not okay with God. God did not want us to be separated from his presence any longer. And so he made that plan. He made the design and the way for Jesus to come and make a way for us to enter all the way to him and in his presence. And so Jesus made that way for us and it removed that curtain. It removed that separation. And so now we can go all the way to God, just us, who we are, our real selves, which is amazing. And so it tells us this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So let's pray together this morning. Lord, we just love you and we praise you and we worship you. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for making a way for us to just come right before you as we are, our real selves, God. We thank you for removing that barrier that separated us by sending your son to die for us and to cleanse us of our sins so that we can come before you. God, we thank you so much. We just pray that our hearts would be open to receive your word from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So in order to just be real, the first thing we need in our life is confidence with God. Confidence with God. And we can have this confidence simply because we are a child of God. We can have that confidence simply because we are a son and we are a daughter of God. That's where our confidence comes from. It comes from our identity. It comes from who we are. And we see this in Galatians chapter four, verse four to seven. It says, but when the right time came, God sent his son 
born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now we are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And so your confidence in God comes from who you are and who you are comes from whose you are. And so God is a God and he, he is our God and he has a kingdom and we are a part of that kingdom and we are actually co-heirs in that kingdom. So that actually makes us royalty. And so that's where we should find our confidence. Are you living as God's child, are you living as an heir of his kingdom? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Are you living like that? If you, if you are, then you are going to have that confidence in God. But so many of us, we, we walk around feeling so down. We just feel so down and discouraged sometimes, right? And that is coming from condemnation and shame in our life. It's coming from condemnation. And let me tell you something about condemnation. Condemnation actually comes from the devil. It comes from the devil. It's actually an attack on who you are. And so you're such a bad person. Everything condemnation tells you, you are so bad. You are such a bad person. Everything about you is bad. You are so bad. All because you did this, you are bad. That's what condemnation is telling you. It's an attack on your identity, telling you that you as a person are just terrible. Well, there's something else that's called conviction, and that actually comes from God. And conviction through the Holy Spirit, it actually, what it does is it tells you, hey, listen, you're not bad, because listen, you are loved and you are accepted as a son and as a daughter. And so you are loved no matter what. But listen, what you did wasn't right. And we need to fix that. So you need to come before me and repent and receive forgiveness for that. And then turn from that sin. That's what conviction looks like. So conviction doesn't tell us we're bad. It just tells us what we did was wrong. We made a wrong choice, but we can make that right. See, condemnation, condemnation is going to speak to you and tell you, listen, you can't do that for God. Look what you did. You're, you're so bad. God can't use you. You'll never be good enough for God. That's what condemnation is going to say to you. Whereas conviction is saying, listen, listen, I know, I know you messed up. Listen, you lost your temper. That wasn't great. But listen, there's another way. You can, you can get forgiveness. You can have restoration, restoration and reconciliation with that. You can be forgiven. And you can turn from that. That's what conviction is telling us. So condemnation is actually an attack on your identity. And the devil's goal is to keep you from your father. That's his ultimate goal with everything is to keep you from God, your father. So he, he floods you with condemnation. And conviction spurs you on to repentance and reconciliation with your father. 
So conviction reunites you with your father. Condemnation separates you. But if we are in Christ, we don't have to live under that. It tells us in Romans 8, 1, it says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You don't have to live under it. You are freed from it because you are a child of God. Some of you are still saying this morning, but you don't know what I've done. You really just don't know what I've done. God, God can't, God can't forgive that. He can, and he does, but you have to receive it. You cannot let the condemnation take away your confidence in God. You need to receive his forgiveness that he has for you and not stay in prison to your past sins. See, the devil, he used this for years and years with me. Because, you know, I had done some things earlier in my life, in in my teenage years, that I'm not proud of, and they were things I shouldn't have done. And so he kept bringing those back to me, and he kept bringing those back to me. And I knew God wanted to use me, but then I'd be like, oh, I can't. I messed up. I did these things, and I'm so bad, and I'm just so bad. And the devil would use that with me. I knew better, but he would still flood me with that to keep me in prison to those past sins. That's what he likes to do. He likes to keep us in that place. And he uses condemnation as a weapon against us. There's stories of so many amazing people in scripture that faced similar things in their life. Um, Like there's a, a man in scripture named Noah, or Moses, excuse me. There's a man in scripture named Moses, and Moses was used mightily by God. And if you know anything about Moses' story, he was used incredibly to be the mouthpiece for God to help free the the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. So God called him and equipped him and used him in that way. And also when they were traveling through the wilderness, Moses was on Mount Sinai and and God was like, listen, you you need to bring these 10 commandments to the people. They are sinning against me. They are making all these decisions that are wrong. And and I'm going to give you these these rules on these stone tablets, and I want you to bring them to the people. So this is what Moses did, what, what God used Moses to do, incredible things, right? Well, I'm not sure if you know, part of Moses' story was that he actually also was a murderer. So before he was used in Egypt to help free the people of Israel, he murdered an Egyptian. He got mad, and, and he murdered an Egyptian. And so he was a murderer, And here God is using him mightily to free the people of Israel from slavery and then to deliver these Ten Commandments to his people. So can you imagine what Moses was feeling when he receives those Ten Commandments and he starts reading through them line by line by line and he gets down to number six and it says, do not murder. Moses is like, uh, is that one for me, God? Did you write that one for me? You sure, are you sure you want me to bring these down to the people? Like, I mean, I can only imagine that, that struggle he felt and, and if, if that kind of crept in on him. But God used him mightily. I mean, he was a murderer. And, and God still used him to help others so that they wouldn't have to walk through what he 
walked through. And so he was used incredibly by God, and he did not allow his past sins to prevent him, and he lived in that confidence that God put in him. So I ask you this morning, what is preventing you from living in that confidence? Some of you might be saying, well, you just, you just don't know what I've done. It's just, it's too bad. So when we say that, when we let that condemnation hold us back, what we're saying is, we're saying, listen, the cross was amazing. What Jesus did on the cross was amazing, but, but it's not enough to cover my sin. You know, it's, a, it's enough to cover, you know, that person and that person and, you know, Moses, yeah, you know, whatever, that's okay, but it's not enough to cover my sin. That's, that's what we're saying when we allow that condemnation in. There's another story about an incredible woman in scripture, also in the book of John in chapter eight. And this particular woman, she was actually caught in adultery. So in that time and in that culture, what they did was they would take that person to the center of town and, and everyone would gather around and they would pick stones up and they would stone that person to death. That was the punishment for that. And so here's this woman, right? She's being brought to the center of town. And, and it's not, not, like, not like they're saying, listen, we think this woman might, you know, might be committing adultery. No, it says in scripture, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. So there was no denying what she had done. So they drag her to the center of town and they're picking these stones up and they're getting ready to stone her, right? And, and Jesus is there. And so the Pharisees and those gathered around, they were trying to trap Jesus. And they kept saying, listen, she has to die. She has to die. And Jesus is saying, yes, I understand that. But how about the one who was without sin go ahead and cast the first stone? Whichever one of you doesn't have any sin in their life, you go ahead and throw a stone. So one by one, they began sitting their stones down back on the ground and walking away. And it started with the, the oldest person that was there. And they walked away. And so I truly believe in this moment that people that needed Jesus the most actually walked away and they pretended like they were fine. They were faking it. They put their stones down and they were like, okay, yeah, see you later. You know, don't, I'm not going to let you know what's going on in my life. People that needed him the most walked away. So here he is with this woman. She's, she's with him and, and he looks at her and he says, now who condemns you? No one. There's no one here. No one's condemning you. Now go and sin no more. And so that she was able to leave and be real and, and just live her life differently from that day forward. But those that were accusing her and wanting to kill her, they walked away and they faked it. They could have stayed and they could have been real about what was going on in their life and what they had done, but they didn't. They walked away. So I think sometimes we can do that ourselves, right? We can come here to church week in and week out, and we can be here and be around everybody and, and, and tell everybody that we're fine, and then we leave and... and and we're faking it. We're not sharing who we really are, or what we've done, or what God is doing in our life. And 
We just need to be real. Just need to be real. Because when we realize there's nothing like having a relationship with Jesus, and that is where in our closeness to him, when we come to him as our real selves, in our closeness to him, that's where we get our confidence. That's where we get that confidence that we can live in to just be real. The second thing that we need to do is to remove all fear. In Romans 8.15, it says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And so we aren't slaves to fear anymore because we're sons and daughters. We have been adopted, and we can cry out to our Father. So we don't have to be a slave to fear. But so many of us, so many of us get stuck there, right? Get stuck in that place of fear. You may deal with fear of failure, fear of abandonment, fear of punishment, fear of rejection. You may have faced some of those. I, I have faced all of those fears at some time in my life, and I've had to deal with them. It can paralyze you where you're at. And some of us, some of us are just maybe afraid to, to take that next step. God, God has you on the edge of something and you, you know you need to take a risk and kind of move forward, but you're just too afraid. Or maybe some of you may even say, listen, I, I'm just afraid to pray out loud. I, I, I don't even think I can do that. I'm afraid. Or some of you, there might be a phone call that you need to make, but you're afraid. You're afraid to do it. Or maybe some, somebody here, you may know that you need to take steps to, to get healthy in your life. You know that, that you need to do some things and implement some things in your life and maybe even set a goal for yourself of maybe running a 5K, but you're just, you're afraid. Fear is holding you back. See, the devil really loves to use fear to keep us from living victorious. Because he knows that if we overcome our fear, we are a force to be reckoned with. We are a force to be reckoned with when we overcome our fear. Because I truly believe the time that we're the most anointed is also the time when we're the most afraid. Because a lot of times we're standing on the edge of that breakthrough. Whatever it is, we need to get to the other side. of. we're standing on the edge of this breakthrough that God has for us in our life. And, and we're afraid, right? We're afraid. But that is the, one of the most powerful moments of our life when we can break through that fear and take that step and get through that breakthrough. And I believe that when we're on the edge of that breakthrough, fear speaks the loudest to us. Because the enemy knows what's on the other side of that. He knows it's victory. He knows it's healing. He knows it's purpose and, and destiny. He knows that's what's on the other side of that breakthrough. But fear will hold us. It speaks the loudest right when you're on the edge. I, I hope you resonate with that because... I sure do. I have seen that time and time again in my life. I know I am right on the edge of something big God has for me. And man, 
fear just suddenly just is like this wall and I just get scared, right? I know I have to break through it, but I get so scared. And so I believe fear speaks the loudest right in that moment that we need to break through. And for some of you, fear may even be diminishing your dream because you're standing right there and, and you're letting fear hold you from breaking through. So we've got to be real about where we are. We've got to be real about what we're struggling with. And some of you, it may be fear. Fear may be holding you back. We need to remember that we serve a big God and, and he can make the impossible happen and he can give us the strength to get through that fear. And so let's be real about fear and let's overcome it by the power of God. The third thing that we need to do in our life to be real is to be sincere. Tells us in 1 Timothy 1.5, now the goal of our instruction is to a love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. So it's saying, listen, that's the goal uh, of what we're learning, and the goal of our love is to be sincere. And so we got to be real. So if you're trying to live out your faith by pretending, then you're missing it. You're missing it. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 2 to 3, we refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes, and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. So if I asked people that, that are close to you, your friends and your family to describe you, would the word sincere make the list? Would the word sincere be a word they would use to describe you? So that's what God wants us to be with each other and those around us. He wants us to be sincere. Because how can we lead others to trust God if they can't trust us? So people come to trust us by us being sincere, by us being who we really are. So sincerity is our ability to live honest lives without hypocrisy. But a lot of times because we act as if we have all the answers, that we have it all together, what happens is we rob Christ of his glory because other people are seeing this finished product, this perfect person, instead of a work in progress. So sincerity is leading true, authentic, imperfect, messy lives around everyone else so that they can see that, so that they can see Jesus redeem us and transform us. And then they know that that can happen for them as well. That's how we live sincere lives. Instead of showing them up, ourselves be transformed. Instead of showing them a perfect product. That's living with sincerity. 
Final thing that we need to do to be real is just to reflect Jesus. To reflect Jesus in everything we do. Our goal should be to reflect Jesus. Because we're not living this life to receive the attention and the glory. We're not living this life to point people towards us. We are living this life to point people to Jesus. Tells us in 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God, not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. And so the purpose of our lives is that as Christ transforms us, people will not be drawn to us, but to Christ. In other words, we need to stop making this about us, but about Christ. So as we live our life, as we serve those around us, it's not about us, it's about Christ. It's about pointing people to Christ, no matter what you've been through in your life, no matter what you've done in your past. Christ wants to use you to share your story so that through your story, you might point people to Christ. Look, this is what I've been through. This is what I've done in my life. But listen, this is what Christ did for me. And now, now I'm free. Now I live victorious. Now I don't, I'm not held back by fear and condemnation and shame. This is what Christ did. So you get to use your story to point people straight to Christ. This last week, I had an awesome opportunity to be at University Park Elementary School. There is just a wonderful group of teachers and administrators there that are doing a phenomenal job in a very, very tough situation. They see some, some really challenging things and they, they have to help and love these kids who are sometimes in just horrible situations. Things that we can't even imagine and things that if we had to walk through in our life would just completely take us out. And so this group of incredible teachers and administrators are on the front lines with these kids, just helping them to get through these difficulties so that they can just simply learn. And so I was able to be there. We got news that the teachers were just really discouraged and really down and that was just not okay with us. And so we decided to, to do something about it. We, we bought lunch from Chick-fil-A for the whole staff and we brought it in their lunchroom and set it up there for them. And a number of us from Grace Church were able to be there, our staff and some wonderful people. and. So we just hung out in their teacher's lounge as they came in and got their lunch. And it was just wonderful to be able to just give them a hug or just tell them, you know, they're loved, just lift their spirits. As I was sitting there and these teachers were coming in, there was a teacher that came in and honestly, right before she came in to get her lunch, she had just gotten some terrible news, like terrible. And so she was sharing it with those of us in the lunchroom that, 
one of her sister, one of her husband's uh, sisters had died suddenly and unexpectedly. And so we're standing in here and I, I'm hearing her share about it and just seeing the shock in her face, like she just found this out. And so she's sharing about it and she's sharing about how, you know, it's gonna be kind of difficult for her husband to talk to the rest of the family. There were some issues and it was just really challenging and she just was really concerned about that and she knew it was gonna be hard for her husband. Um, and so as I heard that, I just was like, we need to pray. And so I just, I walked right up to her in the teacher's lounge and I was like, hey, we need to pray about this. Let's just pray. So we just stopped and we, a few of us gathered around. We just prayed for her. We prayed for her husband and the family and that um, they would be able to work through this and find comfort that they need. Well, about 30 minutes later, she came back into the teacher's lounge and she wanted to come tell us that she just got off the phone with her husband and he was able to talk to his other family members and he said it just went really, really well and they had a really great conversation and he was really encouraged. And just to see the look on her face that that actually had happened, you know, that we we prayed about it and it actually came to be like what we prayed for. And so I share that with you today because I didn't really feel like being there. I didn't really feel that great. I was kind of a little bit down myself that day, but I got an opportunity to reflect Jesus because in that moment I knew this wasn't about me. This is about Jesus. So, so how I feel, it doesn't matter. What I've been through, that doesn't matter. I'm trying to reflect Jesus in this moment. So that's what it's about. That's what it's all about is, is reflecting Jesus, just being real. And so most of you probably, you know, sit there and think, well, you know, you can do that. You're a pastor. You, you have to do that. You know, you pray for people and your life is just, you know, perfect. So, so you're fine. Well, it's really not true. I, I'm being real with you this morning, and I'm telling you, I, I'm a real person. I have real problems just like you. I face the same sins and temptations you face. I have struggled in my life. I have had difficulty and pain and hurt so great that I didn't think I was going to make it through. So I've been there, and I'm going to be real with you, and I'm going to say some days I don't feel like praying for somebody. I don't feel like telling them it's going to be okay. Because I don't feel okay. But in that moment, I just had to be real and say, this isn't about me. This is about Jesus. Because that's what we're called to do. I'm, try I'm not trying to get people to look to me. I'm trying to get people to look at Jesus. So we're all called to do that in our life. And so what you've been through in your life, it's not just for you. What I've been through in my life isn't just for me. God wants to use it. It's for others. And so what you've learned, what you've grown through, what you've been through, it's not just for you. It's for other people. And so you're to show that to others. You're to share that with others so that they know that God can do that in them too. That's what it's about. Just being real, sharing your story with others. And the, I truly believe that the greatest testimony you will ever share is gonna come from your greatest hurt and your greatest pain. I have found it to be true in my life. Out of my greatest hurt and my greatest pain comes my greatest testimony. It allows 
allows me to point people straight to Jesus in a way that I've never been able to before because of the hurt, because of the pain. So just be real. We share our story. It doesn't point people to us, but it points people to Jesus because as that verse said that we read, we carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus can also be carried. So that can be reflected because Jesus died. You have the strength to walk through the difficulties and the hurts and the pain. Because Jesus died, you can be healed. Because Jesus died, you can have faith. Because Jesus died, you can overcome fear. Because Jesus died, you can live in victory. And then that shows people Jesus. So you literally carry the death of him in you. So you also carry that life that helped you overcome. And that's what shows people Jesus. Just being real. Just being real. So what, what is your response today? What is your response to this message? What is it that you know you need to do in your life? Is it, is it removing some of the masks you've been hiding behind? Is it, just being real? Is it no longer living in condemnation? Is it removing fear? Is it being sincere? Is it reflecting Jesus? Is it sharing your story with others? What is it that you need to do today to just be real? So right now in this moment, I just want you to stand to your feet as we close today. Just stand to your feet. And if you need to respond in, in one of these areas today, I, I just want you to raise your hands to heaven today because as we raise our hands to heaven, what we're saying is we're saying yes to Jesus. We're saying, yes, Jesus, I need that in my life. Yes, Jesus, I need to respond to that. And so if that's you today, just raise your hands to heaven right now as we pray. Lord, we come before you right now in this place and we say that we need you. We have our hands raised this morning because we need to respond to you. We need to take steps to just be real in our life. So God, that might be that we are no longer gonna live in condemnation and shame. We're no longer gonna let the enemy bring that on us. Maybe it's that we're gonna, um, maybe that's we're gonna overcome our fear by your power and your strength. God, maybe it's that we're gonna choose to live in the confidence of who we are in you as a son and a daughter. Maybe it's we're going to decide to be sincere with those around us. Maybe it's that we're going to reflect you in all that we do. We're going to let our life reflect you. We're going to share all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because it all points to you, because we've overcome, because we've made it through. Now we can point others to you. God, whatever it is we need to do in our life today, God, I pray that you would give us the strength to overcome, that you would give us the strength to take that step, that you would give us the strength to break through in our life. Whatever that is that's holding us back, God, to just be real. And I, God, I just pray that as we do that, the relationships around us would just flourish and grow, God, that we would reflect you, that people would be drawn to you like never before, God, because we've chosen to just be real. So help us to do that as we leave here today, God. In Jesus' name, amen.